Welcome to the Growth Hacking Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Palomino. This podcast is about thought-provoking ideas to scale up and growth hack performing and human-centric work cultures. My guests are experts on mindsets, skills, and science behind work cultures. I hope you enjoy this episode. This is a topic that has been in the mouth of so many CEOs, especially since four years. And the, the thing is that research suggests that CEOs are afraid of uncertainty. There was this famous study in 2019 made by Harvard Business Review that found that CEOs are more likely to avoid making decisions when they are faced with uncertainty, even if those decisions could have a significant impact in, on the company's success. There was, from the perspective, the psychological perspective, there was a study in the Journal of Organizational Behavior and Human Decision Processes that found that CEOs are more likely to make impulsive decisions when they are feeling uncertain. Well, we are living at times with a lot of uncertainty, where there is changes in technology, changes in human behaviors that are quite important. And if companies want to remain disruptive, they need to adapt and embrace. I needed to have someone who is considered as the specialist in the management of uncertainty. And my guest today is Alec Corte, who is a doctor of management, and he has been working with different academical organizations like Central and Mean Paris Engineering uh, School. He has been working for more than 20 years uh, in advisory roles with Ernest & Young and Segos, and he is a former internal auditor. Well, these two things work together. So we are talking about someone who knows about how to put controls in place and at the same time is trying to disrupt with his model how we manage uncertainty. Alec is also the founder and CEO of a company called Zera, focused on the management of uncertainty and how to help organizations work better and thrive in moments of uncertainty. Alec, it is so such a pleasure because we know each other personally and we have been following up on each other about how we are progressing in different areas and finally i have the opportunity to discuss about you and what you do alec how did you end up working moving out from uh, a work that mo was more into the the control of the risk into something that gives a little bit of an opportunity for organizations to disrupt and create innovation. Oh, hello, Ivan. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Well, it's a, it's a great question. It's uh, perhaps uh, <clears throat> the reason why I moved a little bit away uh, from the world of risk is that I was feeling uh, uh, uncomfortable with the current way of addressing risk. Um, I've been in situations where uh, I've I've seen people cry, or you know, as part of my work, I've uh, you know people have been fired as well, and you know, this uh, no this discomfort basically uh, led me to inquire about uh, you know the nature of organization, the nature of work, and uh, yeah. Ultimately, that led me to the question of uncertainty. 
so if I understand correctly, you have been studying from different perspectives. So, so from the socioeconomical side to the psychological side, how it uncertainty is affecting the individual and the organization. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Even though, uh, you know, my uh, background is in organization and management, I'm less of a psychologist. Uh, I understand a little bit about the psychology of uncertainty. And uh, you mentioned a study I was not aware of. So maybe uh, you can give me the reference later. I'll do uh, some more studying. But yeah. Uh, I've tried to approach the topic of uncertainty from both the, uh, say, executive point of view, as well as from the employee point of view. Now, I need to do one thing that uh, is important uh, to start with, is that there are different, I need to, to say that there are different ways to talk about uncertainty. You know, there's no agreement on uncertainty. Uh, for our discussion, I choose to define uncertainty as the fact of not knowing you know so facing uncertainty is basically facing the unknown but alec so is it like more of a feeling or is it factual the, the perception that we have about uncertainty is it more like we feel like we don't know and there might be facts that we choose not to look at or is it really a factual like when we feel uncertain about the future, it is <clears throat> it is the re our reality. Uh, it's kind of a tricky question you ask, but uh, because I I need to clarify now, uh, there are different things you may not know. Uh, you may not know facts. Uh, for mm -hmm. example, you ignore uh, what's the market share of your competitor. When you don't know facts you can basically make a research, you know, a market analysis, and you will discover facts. That's the one thing that is perhaps the mo most familiar uh, with executives or managers. But there are all other things that you may not know. For example, you may not know how your employees will react or respond to a decision. Now, this, I mean, you may feel that you don't know what their future reaction will be, but it's not, it's more, much more than a feeling. It's, uh, how, how should I put that? <laughs> it is for certain that you don't know for certain how they will react. Indeed. So it's a limitation or a boundary to, you know, what you actually know, uh, you know at a certain point in time. Hmm. You just don't know how they will react. Coming back to the to the core, and, and thank you for clarifying this definition about uh, uncertainty, because that makes us really understand, have the same, the same level of, of discussion. Um, how can corporations, in fact, shift their culture from one of risk aversion to one of calculated risk taking? We, th there is, all of the companies, not all, but let's say a good 70% of companies are ongoing a transformation. Uh, and in this transformation, that means also an implication in terms of the beliefs and behaviors of, of, of corporation, which is defined as, as, as culture. So can we really build 
a culture where we move from this risk aversion, we are cautious to a little bit more of risk taking? Ah, uh, that's a great and tricky question. Uh, Again. So I need to do <laughs> a little bit of, um, uh, we need to work around language here. Because, uh, you know, the way that we define risk, uh, risk is generally defined as a negative event or an event with negative consequences. The way we define risk in itself uh, suggests that risk is something you want to avoid. Hmm. It has negative consequences. You don't want risk. And uh, so I guess uh, in order to move uh, towards a culture of calculated risk taking, to use your words, uh, I believe the first step is to make a distinction between risk and uncertainty. Risk is an event that you want to avoid. Uncertainty is the fact of not knowing, as I define it. It's a very ordinary experience. You know, every day there are many things we don't know. So the first step is to make the distinction. The second step, I believe, is uh, to lead by examples, which means you need leaders who are comfortable with the fact of not knowing and who actually may say, you know, in this situation, hey, guys, I don't know. Or I am not sure. And perhaps that leads to a conversation. I don't know what what do you guys say, you know. Mm. Or how do you look at things from your perspective? So that's that would be the two uh, main steps. Uh, <clears throat> do you have the impression that um, leaders are becoming more comfortable with this uncertainty? Can leaders accept, like, I still remember back in my days, they want my bosses wanted to calculate the ROI of a lot of things who are impossible. So this is where the time where in order to cover up for the need of uncertainty, we start bullshitting, creating models where there is no proof of whatsoever if it's right or not. Are, are leaders becoming a little bit more comfortable with asking random analytical questions that waste time instead of say, saying this is a calculated risk? If it happens, if it is bad, then it's okay because we lose, I don't know, 1% of the budget, but it, this is okay. Uh, are leaders, your question was, are leaders more comfortable today with yes. taking calculated risks yes. than they were before? I I don't know about that, but there's, there's a phenomenon which I called the logic of risk. Leaders follow what I call a logic of risk and you know, not good. Uh, I would argue that if you follow a logic of uncertainty, by definition, you assume that the future is not knowable. You cannot predict the future. Mm. So, uh, say, if we're talking about investments, you know, innovations, for example, 
or uh, you know big changes transformations uh you know it should be taken for granted that the future is unknowable so what do you do you start with small bets small experiments basically following a logic that some people call design thinking you know yeah. you run experiments and that's the only way you can you know go about this now you also want to make sure you get people on board uh you know recalling that you cannot predict their reaction. You cannot know in advance if people will, you know, participate or get involved. And that's, you know, perhaps one of the key levers, if you want, or factors of uncertainty today. Hmm. You can, um, Alec, from the the individual himself, do you feel that there is today tools to in order to increase their capacity for agility? Like you were mentioning, design thinking is a process that helps a little bit reduce the risk and 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 maybe move forward despite not knowing every uh, everything. Is there real ways for people to train themselves to increase their capacity for agility? Hmm. That's a, a good question. It's I mean you were talking about self uh, self help, right? Yes, exactly. Ah, uh, well, I'm I'm in the process of writing a book, if you want, on the topic because I think um, some tools exist. You know, we're talking about you know creativity uh, tools, for example. But I also think uh, something in, is missing around what I call asking good questions, mm. because a def defining skill. Uh, when you want to address uncertainty and move forward is the skill of asking good questions. And I find this uh, quite, uh, but there's, there's not a lot of resources on this. Uh, when you are saying good questions, is it self-awareness questions? Uh, no. Uh, oh, in part, yeah, self-awareness is important. For example, you need to know, you need to be clear. I mean, say you are an entrepreneur or entrepreneurial and you, you want to bring change in your organization. You need to have a sense of vision. You need to somehow be clear on your intentions. Mm. Mm. That would, I guess, be, uh, you know, relate to uh, self-awareness. But you also need to know what you don't know. For example, uh, at some point, you will need to create a value proposition, you know, and you will need to talk to the right person in your organization in order for that person to become a sponsor. Well, uh, uh, and in that example, for example, you, you <laughs> to begin with, you don't know what, who you need at the beginning of the process. You don't know who you need to, to be talking to. You don't know about their interests or their potential needs. There's a lot of things that, you know, remain unclear uh, and uh, that you'll need to work on in order to have a, you know, relevant value proposition and to be able to basically per persuade a sponsor. But I, I like this idea that the the starting point be 
starts with asking yourself the right type of questions and maybe being quite objective about judging yourself. Like for instance, if you if you ask Ivan 10 years ago when he was in corporate, I, do you have high emotional intelligence? I will tell you, yes, I will, I will talk to you about books that I have read, but did I really, was I really intentional on the design of my behaviors towards uh, to empathize with my team? No, the, the reality was that I sucked. So I, and I didn't know that back then. Only afterwards, I started getting to, to judge myself in a more critical way to understand that despite my knowledge, I wasn't using it. That means that I didn't have it. But the, back then, I, I believed I had it. Now, from if we start from the individual where he's practicing ag agility, there is many tools available uh, at the individual level in order to um, to move forward. You you mentioned that it starts with good questions and knowledge, self uh, self awareness uh, about themselves. Is it possible to create virality across the organization so that the organization starts embracing uh, uncertainty uh, or agility and make it a culture? Oh. It's a good question. Please, uh, Ivan, can you define virality? Uh, I'm not sure I use it in the same same way as you do. Yeah, I, I have a tendency to invent words, but in, in that context, virality means that people feel like intrinsically motivated to pass it on, like it's contagious, that I see people behaving, having a certain behavior and they start miming this behavior. I start having role modeling from peers, people around me, because if it is working for them, why wouldn't it work for me? So virality, that means that without an ex external incentive, I feel enticed to, to do it. Huh. So the question was, is it possible to, cre to create virality around, you know, yeah, the, what I call the logic of uncertainty and embracing uncertainty and yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Yeah, well, I believe I believe it largely depends on leadership, and uh, you know I I'm a strong believer in leadership by example, uh, and uh, you know be, because let, let me give you a context that can be tricky. Imagine you are a you are in a team meeting with your boss, and all of a sudden you know your boss is making a presentation about a goal, and you have a few doubts. You're not sure. So you have two options. First option is you don't say anything. You don't share your doubts. That's what most people do. Mm. Uh, Indeed. You know, it, it's better not to, you know, challenge that's, you know, challenge your boss. Then, uh, but there's some, somebody then perhaps, uh, you know, a newcomer in the firm, a, a young guy, a young woman, and he might, you know, raise his hand or her hand and, ask you know uh, about his question or his doubt now comes the defining moment what will be the reaction of the leader when his presentation or argumentation is challenged by a doubt will he embrace the doubt or the uncertainty and perhaps say you know thank you for uh, you know sharing your doubt your reservation 
uh, I had not thought about this. This this is a new angle, and uh, perhaps you know, well, take it uh, a step further. Or will he sla uh, slam or humiliate the you know the question the the people the person raising the doubt? Uh, so I hope it's a good example, but that's you know it suggests uh, leadership, uh, the role of leaders and people in position of authority is uh, important in that uh, process of vir virality that you mentioned. Mm. So. It seems to me that what I understand from what you say is that change towards a, a more agile organization, a culture of agility cannot happen with behaviors that are first mapped by the guys up there, right? If this Not guy... exclusively, of course, mm -hmm. but yeah. But somehow it starts because imagine, Alec, we, we are in, at work, we are in maybe in survival mode we feel more comfortable miming things that have worked for the people up there because they have survived many years and they have made it to the top. So we feel like despite of whatever is written across um, the websites of the company or what is being said, what counts is what the big boss does. And then we try to mime these behaviors because that's what is having success and we want to be protected some, somehow. It is so important, this cultural aspect. Uh, uh, by the way, Alec, I, I, I get interested, especially about the, the work that you are doing with many organizations. I, I, by the way, in your website, I, I, I found that it, it was impressive, like there was more than 100 organizations that you have been working with. Um, so in order to help them manage uh, uncertainty, what are the what are the, the 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 usual tools that you work with? How do you work with these organizations? Uh, yeah, I mean the the hundred uh, organizations that you mentioned. I've mostly been involved as a facilitator, right? As a trainer, it, yeah. it's my job. I help uh, I help people um, uh, change their uh, mindset and perhaps their behaviors. Uh, that's that's what I do as an educator or trainer. And uh, what are some tools that I use? Uh, you know, it's like I, I I like to use cases or practical examples. Mm. And uh, you know, I mean, I'm talking about pedagogy here, but uh, you know, it's like the moment uh, people are in a situation that uh, that they are somehow familiar with uh i mean i can start asking questions and uh, you know uh, very rapidly people realize that they know they know or they understand much less than they actually believe they do hmm. so uh it can I, I can trigger if you want a breakdown some kind of breakdown, a, a realization that, you know, well, at the end of the day, I know very little. And this is very, uh, you get a sense of freedom from that because uh, there's a lot of pressure having to pretend that you know or that you have things under control. Hmm. When in fact, this is not the case, right? Uh, so, I I'm, you know, I work with, you know, People in different roles, sometimes executives, you know, uh, uh, 
and we have like a, a chat around uncertainty and the logic of uncertainty. Sometimes I work with people like more in middle management and, you know, they want to be equipped, say, for example, to manage risk. And, you know, I show them the standard method of managing risk. And then I start asking questions. And, you know, at the end of the day, they realize, well, you know, we can manage risk, but every tool you use has limitation. And, you know, it's not because you have great tools to manage risk that you will have any control over uncertainty because at the end of the day, uncertainty is by definition something you cannot control. Uh, Alec, I, I remember that in in a previous private conversation, you you mentioned to me that uh, you part of the services that you are delivering to organizations are based on some of the research that you conducted. Um, and, and I would like to understand a little bit more, how do you use th this research applied to the real case scenarios of corporations? How, how are you using it today? All right. Uh, well, one population that have been uh, uh, training, instructing is uh, internal auditors. Mm -hmm. uh, the job of an auditor is to take a picture of an, or, of an organization a snapshot, a picture, to say, you know, what works, what doesn't work. Uh, a standard way of doing audit is to assess a process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the good and the bad side of the process. But if you assume, as I do, that the main source of uncertainty is uh, relational, you know, and by that, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty around the people that operate the process. Uh, maybe their communication is not so flawless. Mm -hmm. Maybe when there is an error, uh, well, they hide the error or they communicate the error six months from now. Or maybe, maybe when there is an error or a problem, they blame one another. And... This, you know, causes a breakdown of the process. So what I do, for example, and that's a, an outcome of my research, is I've created a, a map that uh, helps measure the relational quality of the people involved in a process. By that, I mean, uh, I can, in a way, quantify uh, the quality of conversations and relationships around you know a certain group of people and i can basically predict based on the level of uh communication you know the degree to which these people will be able to address risks and unpredicted problems in a flawless manner oh <laughs> that became a little bit of science fiction for me. <laughs> so do you quantify also the, so it, because in order to solve a, com a complex problem that, that is unpredictable, uh, no. you need to wait, you need to wait in not only the, the level of how much they act as a cohort, but also the, the type of skills that everybody has because they're kind of, protecting around, the, they become the protection against the, the risk, right? Very good. Yeah, yeah. 
you need two things. You need the will and the skill to cooperate. <laughs> uh, the hardest is the will. Yes. And that's the role of leadership. A leader is somebody who creates or fosters the will to cooperate. A leader and a trainer is somebody who, you know, increases the skill to cooperate so as to address coll uh, collectively unexpected problems. <laughs> This is what's missing today. Alec, uh, totally. Uh, and, uh, and on top, I, I must say that you awoke the, uh, the nerd in me. Right? So it is very, it sounds crazy that you have been able to quantify a model of something that is in principle qualitative when you don't know enough about the topic, you, you see it as qualitative, but you have been able to, uh, to quantify it. So that's quite, quite nice. Now, talking a little bit more about, so we are talking about the future assessment of, of, of risk. Uh, Now technology has been uh, like a, a key driver of a lot of changes that are happening in, in organization in terms of processes, in terms of even the way we learn. Do, do you have the, the, the feeling that the more we are able to, to use, I don't know, hardcore data analytics, predictive modeling, it, it will help organizations to anticipate uh, and respond to potential risk or, or, or challenges? Well, I have a, it's a great question. Yeah, you know, we, everybody talks about big data, artificial intelligence. I have strong reservations about, you know, uh, data analytics. When it comes to the future and, you know, when it comes to predicting uncertainty, because by definition, the future is unknowable. Uh, and you cannot uh, use data, which is basically from the past, to predict something, a future event. So, uh, uh, you know, technology is uh, the use of technology to anticipate risk or uncertainty is, uh, I believe, a very limited use in most contexts except perhaps uh, when you look at processes that are data-driven, like accounting. Mm -hmm. All right. When you have a lot of data and you have a process that basically transforms data into another data, say a reporting or an you know, accounting statement, then yeah, perhaps you can uh, use data analytics to anticipate you know, problems. Uh, in the financial so, statements. What would you say would be in the in the next five years? Would be the... you know, let me let me give you yes. an example. Yeah, one key issue today is uh, to improve the reliability of a company's uh, interactions with their suppliers. Right, improve the reliability of a supply chain. Ideally, you want your supplier uh, to be, uh, ah, you want to create a trust, a relationship of trust with your suppliers so that when a problem occurs at your supplier, they decide 
you know, to call you and say, hey, uh, Ivan, I have an issue. I won't be able to deliver on time, uh, but I want to, you know, to you to know as fast as possible. And, you know, let's talk to, you know, find the best mitigation strategy. Uh, if you consider this example, I don't believe that data or having data on your supplier will help, you know, address the problem. You need a relationship. You need a communication uh, flow. You need people who trust one another and who are willing to solve problems without assigning blame. That's the future. In fact, kind of you, you have answered the question that I had in my mind because I was going to ask you, what do you think is going to be the major contributor to uh, to managing uncertainty uh, in the next five years? Is it going to be behavioral science, the understanding of psychology, how the brain functions in order to manage risk? Is it going to be technology or is it going to be the meta skills that you have mentioned? Exactly the, exactly that, the ones that, that is going to help us build trust, the, 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 the human skills that make that we are more collaborative. Is out of the tree, so I, I have the impression that you answer, or, or do you want to say more about the, this, uh, any of the three? Well, I'm happy to talk at any time, but you know, if it's clear for you, you know, then I'd better not say anything more. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's do the, uh, the this exercise that you, you have a magic wand and you are named CEO of, um, 14500 company um what are the key questions that you would ask yourself becoming the ceo in order to know that this company has the right balance between control and agility what are the type of information that you would you are going to be looking for well uh <clears throat> that's a good question uh I don't know that I would ever want to be a CEO, right? In a way, I don't like having too much responsibility. I'm a, <laughs> to be honest with you. But perhaps one day I can help a, a CEO or, you know, in that situation with that kind of question. You know, the first question, the first issue I would raise is not about the kind of question that would write, uh, I would have, but about the kind of method I would follow to answer the question. And I would basically say to the CEO, let, come, let's go together on the field. Mm. You know, we'll go on the field, we'll uh, you know, talk to plant managers, say if you are in the industry, uh, and uh, perhaps with the CEO uh, and the two of us, we'll go to uh, you know, one of the local managers in the plant and uh, we'll have, a, and I will talk, I, would, I will ask the local manager, can you tell me about an error or a mistake or an issue, a big issue that happened in, in your department recently? And then I will remain silent and look at his you know, behavior, his face, his eyes, and look at the kind of response he's willing to share, you know, in the presence of the big CEO. Is it culturally okay 
to share about mistakes or doubts or unknowns in the presence of a big CEO or are people, uh, you know, afraid of doing so? Uh, agility begins in, uh, you know, uh, I believe in being clear on your goals, but also in being comfortable with uncertainty and asking the relevant questions. Most companies today are not so comfortable with uncertainty and they don't know about the logic of uncertainty. Hmm. You have astonished me because from one side, my expectation is, okay, Alec, he's a researcher. He has he has been professor in several universities. So he's going to give me like the big ass model theory. And you decided to go for the approach. Let's go and test in the market. So a real entrepreneurial mindset, just go and touch it on your own. I mean, it's an experiment it's to, in order to validate assumptions and it has to be directed and on the, on the spot. Thank you, Alec, because it was unexpected for me the way you you answered um, the, this question. Um, Alec, we are reaching the 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 end of this episode about managing uncertainty, uh, not only living but thriving in uncertainty in corporations. And thank you very much for making the time for us. In case um, our the audience of the Growth Hacking uh, Culture Podcast wants to reach you out to ask more questions to to get to know finally how it works this modeling uh uncertainty how can they reach you out alec well thanks Ivan. uh well um i have a website uh it's called zezera.com z-e-r-r-a.com uh, but the best way to reach me at this point uh, is uh, on my LinkedIn profile. My name is Alec Corte, and uh, uh, and then uh, you know we'll take the conversation from there. I'm, I'm I mean you know I'm in part a consultant, but I'm I'm basically a curious guy who happens to be interested in you know companies, organization, and. You know, I believe I love people or I try to love people and you know <laughs> I'm, I'm welcoming every question and if I can help someone I'll be I'll be glad doing it thank you very much Alec lovely to have you today and lovely to have so many insights and astonishing responses thank you Alex have a great day my pleasure Ivan talk to you soon <laughs>